0: Well, happy Mother's Day. How you doing? It is Mother's Day and we love our moms, don't we? Well, most of us do. We even love our mothers-in-law. Some of us do. Well, well. As a, as a matter of fact, I, I heard this story about a man and his wife and his mother-in-law that went to Africa on a safari. It was like a trip of a lifetime. It was a dream trip. They had saved up their entire lives for this, and, and they even go to Africa, and they even hire like one of these uh, tour guides that takes them way out into the middle of the jungle, and uh, it was a crazy kind of a trip, and, and one day, when the, when the husband and wife woke up, they found that their mother-in-law was missing, and so they make a frantic search for her, they go all over looking, and finally... Finally, the man finds his mother-in-law in the middle of this clearing face to face with this huge ferocious lion. I mean, face to face, the wife shows up and she gets, you know, all crazy. She starts screaming, and says, you gotta, you gotta do something. What are we going to do to help? You got to save my mother and all this. And, and, and what are you going to do? And, and, and the man looks at his wife and says, dear, we are going to do nothing. The lion got himself into this and the lion will get himself out of this. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, We do love our mothers, and yes, I even love my mother-in-law very, very much. I don't know how familiar you are with the scriptures, but the scriptures actually speak to an idea that each of us, every single one of us, we, we face these things that are called strongholds in our life. Have you ever thought about this? Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? This idea of a stronghold, these things that have a grip on us, these things that we face somewhere down inside of us, that they're they're giants, that they're lions that come up against us. There are these things that grip our souls, that that keep us from becoming all that God wants us to become and from becoming all who God created us to be, what God really wants us to experience in this life. Uh, You know what I'm talking about? Ever meet somebody in your life where you just look at that, kid and you go, man, that young man has got all the potential in the world. But have you ever thought this? But if he doesn't get a hold of that anger issue or that depression issue or that alcohol issue or whatever the issue might be, and and you you say, if he doesn't lose that stronghold, if he doesn't lose that thing that has a grip on him, he's going to be ruined. It's going to ruin his life. You ever seen somebody like that? We just thought the whole world was in front of this guy. But unless they get rid of this stronghold that holds them, they'll never become all that they're supposed to become. Let me tell you something, friends. This is what I'm learning. I want to talk to us about, just for a few minutes, about God's dreams for our families, for your family and for my family. Because God has big dreams for your family. He has big hopes for your family. Uh, And and I just want to spend just a few minutes talking about this because uh, God has a heart for pulling down these strongholds. The scripture speaks all the time that that these strongholds that hold us back must somehow be be taken down. And, And so here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that some of the strongest strongholds are in people's households. Let me say that again. Some of the strongest strongholds are in our households. Our house contains, our home contains these things that hold us back, these things that keep us from becoming all that God wants us to become. There's a really interesting story that emerges from the pages of, of scripture. Um, it's about a man who used to put people in the hold. Like literally, he was a prison keeper. He, he, he put people in the hold, right? Uh, his job was for Rome. He worked for Rome. He was loyal to Rome. His faith was in Rome. But he eventually meets these two guys. And something switches. He somehow goes from here to there. He, he somehow goes from being loyal to Rome to putting his hope, his trust, his faith for not only himself, but his entire household in Jesus to change him, to save him, to give him what the world could not give him. This story is found in the book of Acts, uh, starting in chapter 16. Now listen to this, 16. Now this is incredible. This is incredible because... What his household actually holds is potential. I don't know if you realize this, but your household actually holds potential. It holds opportunity. And sometimes we completely miss it. And this story begins to reveal how some things can change in our lives. So here's how it begins in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Okay, now pause for a second. They're in prison singing hymns to God. They're having like a house worship gathering in prison, right then and there. They're in prison, right? And so they start singing these hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. They're like, oh, what are are y'all doing down there? And they're singing and and they're listening to this and, and they're kind of wondering what's going on down there and they're hearing these songs To God, right? And it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now the jailer woke up and when he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, now listen, and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. Now I want you to think about this for a second. That's a pretty crazy reaction, isn't it? I mean, you come out, you're woken in the middle of the night. I get that his job is to keep the prisoners inside the prison. And all of a sudden he walks out, he hears this craziness, he hears all this thunder, the shaking, something happened, there's like an earthquake thing going on, and he realizes all the gates are open, all the prison cells are open. So he takes a sword out, and he's about to plunge himself, which I think is a little bit of a strong reaction. Don't you think? Even if your job is to keep them in jail, it still seems like he's freakishly close to the edge. Right, Something is going on inside of this man to cause this reaction. Look at this, verse 28. But Paul shouts to him, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Paul and Silas replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your what? Your household. I heard someone once say it like this. You never really see what a house truly holds because you never really see what holds the house. Now, I think that was Pastor Brian Houston, pastor at Hillsong Church. I'm not exactly sure who to give credit to that to, but I think that there's a lot of truth there. You you think about this idea of the idea of holding something. It is to bring it down. It is to come against. It is to pull it back. And and the whole idea, it speaks of shrinking and containing and and limiting, right? And and stopping something from from growing. So I want to introduce you to my son real quick. Zachary, get up here. Make yourself useful for once, will you? Okay. Uh, So this is my boy, right? I want you to think about this. Now, what if over the last 10 or 15 years of his life, if I would've just held him down? What if I would've just held things against him and spoke things into his life that held him back, that shrunk him, that stopped him from becoming all that God wanted him to become? What if I, what if I literally pushed him down? What if I literally just kept him down in this world? What if I would've spoke things like, you're no good. I, I wish I never would've even had you. Why can't you ever do anything right? Why can't you ever do anything good? Why can't you please your mama? What, what would happen to his soul? It would wither and die. It it would shrink back. It would never become all that God created him to become. Now listen, listen, what if, what if though, if I was to put my arm around him and start speaking truth into his life? What if I started giving him vision for what our household can really hold? What it does really hold? What if I said, man, God's got his hand all over you. What if he would have grown up hearing these words from his mother and I? That God's got his hand all over you the dreams that he's put in your heart, if you lock eyes with him, if you follow him completely, God's going to use you. What if I would have told him growing up, listen, God's going to use you to do amazing things in this world. He he can use you as an engineer to design great things. Maybe he's going to, maybe he'll make a preacher out of you. (laughs) Or or maybe, (laughs) or maybe, or maybe you'll write songs that the whole world will sing for the glory of God. What if I, what if I told him, what if I told him that one day he's going to make a great teacher where he can maybe affect the lives of countless other students? What, what if I told him that he was a great leader in the making and that God was just beginning to shape his life? Friends, what would happen to a young man like this? God could use him in incredible ways. Friends, thanks, bud. Uh, you, we never really know what a house holds because we don't really know what holds the house. There's all kinds of junk that gets circulated in our, in our lives and, and it becomes like a cancer to our souls and, it, and it's all this stuff that's holding the house down and, and, and I don't know what the stuff is in your life but there's stuff that has held you down. Maybe in your home you grew up with all this stuff that was holding you back and maybe that stuff was, was negativity. It was just this constant barrage of negativity. You can't, you're not going to. It's always gonna be terrible. What if every day when you woke up it was just harshness every day? Some of you grew up like that. And it's held you back. I'm not just speaking to, to moms and dads. I'm talking about moms and dads who were once kids right now. Grandmas and grandpas who are still living under that kind of thing. Because you grew up with your minds under these strongholds that kept you from who God really created you to be. What if you grew up with a, with a, with a, in a household where, where the, what held you were these things called drugs or these, this thing called alcohol. And it just taught you a way of life that was not what God wanted from you or for you. What if it was perversion? What if it was was stuff spoken into your life years and years ago that keep holding you back? Let me tell you something, friends. What the house actually holds is held back by what holds onto the house. Y'all hearing me on this? Y'all hearing me? I had an uncle that I never got to know. Um, He died when he was just a little kid, long before I was even born. And growing up in my family, it um, it was almost like a family secret. It was never really talked about. It was a dark story. All I could figure out was that it had something to do with alcohol and something to do with some very poor decisions that adults made around him. And he died when he was five or six years old. And let me tell you something. I don't know exactly what kind of effect it had on my grandma and grandpa and thus my mom. But I'm going to tell you something. I know it had a big effect. I know that secrets and skeletons in our families keep us and hold on to us. And they hold us back from becoming all that God wants. It has a grip on our life. And so I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's negativity. I don't know if it's anger. I don't know if it's alcohol or substance. I don't know if it's never being told that you were loved as a child. I don't know what it is, but it robs the future from our homes. And let me tell you something, friends. If you are a parent or a grandparent right now in this room, you gotta change whatever that is in your home. You do. You gotta change it, and you gotta change it right now. I can't even begin to tell you how many times that uh, people come into my, my little office and it, it gets crazy and, and they're talking about you know, some issues that are going on and we start tracing it back and back and back and all of a sudden it comes out where she'll say, my mom or my dad never once told me that they loved me. They'll say 30 and 40 and 50 years later, they'll say I never had an affectionate hug from my father ever in my whole life. Or they'll say, I remember my dad telling me I was no good all of my life. And it still holds them all these years later. It is crazy. And it's got to change, friends. Y'all hear me? It's got to change. God has incredible dreams for your home, God has credible dreams for your household, for your children, for you, for you. And somehow we've got to figure out how to break these strongholds because you think about what your house really holds, it holds great potential. It holds great opportunity, doesn't it? I mean, who would think of what your children can become? Who, who knows what could happen? You, your household has incredible opportunity. Uh, there's an incredible, amazing little story that comes out of the Bible book of uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. And it's the story of this, this widow who... Uh, she lost her husband. She's got a son, and she is poor. Literally, they are starving. If you go back and read this, they are in destitution. They they're about ready to lose their home. They have no hope at all, and they meet a prophet named Elisha. And Elisha comes along, and he and he begins to speak hope into this home. and And, and he says to this lady, "This is crazy." He says, "What do you have in your home?" And she says, "I got nothing in my home. Our home is broken." Our home is worthless. Our home has nothing of good, nothing of hope. And he says, no, no, no. You got to have something in your home. What do you have in your home? And she says, the only thing I have is a bunch of empty jars and a little bit of cooking oil. And when that cooking oil runs out, we have nothing. And then Elijah, the prophet says to her, you have no idea what God's going to do for you. You have no idea what your home has what the opportunity and the potential of your home is. You have no idea what God's going to do for you. And and he tells this lady something crazy. He says, you and your son, you go to all of your neighbors, and you go and you collect all of the empty jars that you can find. Collect them all up, every single one of them. And they go out and they collect a whole bunch of them. He says, that's not enough. You go get more. You go further. You get all the empty jars and buckets you can possibly find. And so they do this. And then the great prophet says, you start pouring what oil you have into those empty buckets. And she's like, that'll take about two minutes. And he says again, you have no idea what God's about to do for you. And she begins to pour this oil and she begins to pour this oil and the oil doesn't run out. And It is a miracle of God. God keeps filling what she's pouring out. God keeps pouring in while she's pouring out. And God raises hope and God raises potential. God raises opportunity. And something begins to change in all of that. And let me tell you something, friends. The oil in your home are, is your children. The oil in your home is what God has placed inside of them. And It is up to us to keep filling into them and pouring into them because God is going to take that and he's going to do more than we could ever imagine or dream with it. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? This is what we need to do. That we need to believe that God can break these strongholds because what our home actually holds is this thing called potential. What our home actually holds is this thing called opportunity for our children. Listen, we cannot settle for low living. Let me tell you something. If I ever get to take like one of these trips around the world and you get one of these big cruise boats, I am not going to take a trip in the hold of the ship. I'm not even going to stay on like the stateside cabins. I'm going to go up to like, I'm like the upper deck. I'm going to get in the captain's chair if I can, because I want to see what it all is, right? But so many of us just are content with traveling through life in the hold of the deck. And that's That's ridiculous. We need to start speaking truth and life into our families and start raising our families to to become all that God wants us to become, right? Um, Let me tell you something. We can't live on hold. We can't live held back. We can't live held down and we can't let our kids live that way. We've got to move them toward greatness. Parents and grandparents, that's our job is to move them toward this thing called the call of God in their life. We Can't settle for low living, easy ways. We can't, we gotta push them. Y'all with me on this? We've got to push them toward the right things. A a woman named uh, Mrs. Mandela, I wonder more than 90 years ago if she understood that what her little home, her little home of poverty held in South Africa. I wonder if she had any idea that her young son named uh, Nelson would literally shake the world one day. I wonder if this little poor lady uh, named Mrs. Mandela would have ever dreamed that her little guy would literally change apartheid, not only in South Africa, but separation and segregation around the world. I remember it was a few years ago when he turned 90. This was probably almost what, eight, seven, eight years ago. Uh, it was all over the TV. They had these huge parades around the globe. And I remember watching this parade. It was in London, England. And there were hundreds of thousands of people on the streets celebrating what a poor black kid did in South Africa to change the world. That is pretty ridiculously amazing. I wonder if, if, a, if a lady named uh, Mrs. Graham knew that one day her son, I'm sure she knew her son was a good little boy. I'm sure she knew her son was a smart little boy. But I wonder if she ever knew that her son, Billy, would literally grow up to preach to a billion people in his lifetime. And literally, there are people in this room, you may not even know the name of Billy Graham, but I bet you somewhere in your family line, somebody was affected directly because of his ministry. I wonder if she ever knew that. I wonder if a a poor black uh, girl born on a farm in 1929 by the name of Alberta King ever knew that her son uh, uh, would, would grow up to literally change the face of the world. Her son Martin Luther King Jr. would ever grow up. Now listen, she was so poor, she didn't even know she could keep him around as her son because she couldn't even feed him. And yet she knew somehow that there was potential. She knew somehow that there was opportunity in the making. I wonder if Mr. and Mrs. Washington knew that their little boy, Georgie, was gonna grow up and lead a revolution that would literally begin a country that would literally lead more people into freedom and prosperity than the world has ever known. What does your house hold? What does it really hold? What dreams are you bringing into your house? What are you instilling in your children? What are you telling them that they can become? What can they do in this world? How are you leading your children? It is up to you and to me to bring our kids to where God has them and wants them to be, right? Um, Listen, I get it. There are all sorts of things that have been smeared all over our lives and have been handed to us from one generation to the next. And the scripture speaks of this thing called generational sin. And, And it's easy for all of us in this room to look back and go, well, I'm this way because my daddy was this way. And I'm this way because my mama was this way and my great-granddaddy was this way and my great-great-granddaddy was this way and it's just part of who I am. And God says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm inside of you now and I'm gonna change this in you. I'm gonna grow this in you. Somehow we cannot live under the strongholds that have held our families for generations. I wanna encourage you to bring God's redeeming grace into your home I want want to encourage you to bring the changes that God wants you to make into your home purposefully, to think deeply about this, to sit once in a while and to to ponder what is it that's in our home that's going to lift our kids and what is it that's going to hold them back and let's work on these things. Should we do this kind of stuff, church? I, I think so. Uh, we started with this whole story of the jailer who, who witnessed firsthand the move of God. A, a couple of crazy Christians were in prison. They were in prison because of being Christian and you know, they bust out an acoustic guitar and they start singing, what a wonderful name it is, right? And they start singing and all of a sudden there's like this earthquake that happens and the jail is, uh, you know, the jail doors are open up and and the prisoners are all walking around. The jailer comes out and the guy freaks out. He's about ready to kill himself. Paul and Silas cry out, don't do it, don't do it. We're still all here. Everybody's fine. But there is a backstory to this that we're not quite told. There has to be something more that goes on in all of this uh, because this guy apparently was living in a way that he didn't want to live anymore. And he must have been told by Paul and Silas of this man named Jesus. He must have told, been told that there is a different life for him. There's a different dream, that there are certain things that were holding him back. Because listen what happens next. This is amazing. Here's how it read, reads. So he freaks out, and he comes to them, and, and he says, uh, you know, they, they say, don't kill yourself. And then it says this. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Hey, listen, at the hour, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his whole household were baptized. So what happened apparently is that after like, he's like, don't kill yourself, don't kill yourself. The jailer must have been listening to them sing, must have been listening to them preaching. And he's interested in this message of Jesus that can change the world, that can change their lives, that can change their house. And he says, you need to come back to my house. You need to come home because he ends up talking to the whole family. Listen to this. He says, uh, then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. He and his whole what? Household. Household. Brand new, filled with joy, a whole new life. He and his whole household. I think one of my favorite little verses in the Bible is is found in the book of Joshua. It's chapter 24, verse 15, and maybe you heard this story before, Uh, but Joshua is leading the people of Israel, and uh, Moses is dead now, and the people have come into the promised land, and they're like starting a party. They're like, way, we're the top dogs. We won, we're here, you know, kind of a deal, and now they're starting to all scatter, and who was it that kept them together? It was God. They were called the people of God. And then all of a sudden they're there and they're starting to wander. Their hearts are starting to drift. Their, their homes are starting to fall apart and the things that are not of God are coming into their homes. And Joshua stands one day he, in front of all the people. He gets all the people together. All the leaders were up front and then it says the masses of people were behind them. And I'm not sure if they had like a big PA system set up. I'm not sure if like they had like some chain of command that went back and spoke all the way back. But it says that all the people of Israel will gather that'd be about two million of them. They're gathered in together and he has this big meeting with them. And he says one of the greatest verses, I think, in the entire Bible. And Joshua stands and he says, now listen, you have every right to do whatever you want to do. You can go whatever direction you want to go. You want to take your home one way, you take it that way. You want to do this with your life, you can do this with your life. But as for me, he says, listen, but as for me and my what? My house, we will serve the Lord. The Lord. And it wasn't like Joshua is the commander of all the people. It wasn't like he was a Nazi up there going, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and so will you. No, it wasn't like that. No, if you read the text, he was saying, I have seen the goodness of God and I'm going to bring this into my household. I have seen the glory of God. I've seen the grace of God. And I want to bring this into my household. For me and for my kids, this is where we're heading. This is what we're about. And he invites the people to choose that day who they will serve. He says, choose that day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Friends, uh, I think that most people, even in the Christian church, never uncover what their house truly holds. We let those things, those things that have festered for year after year, hold us back. We let these things grow up inside of our souls. We let them invade our living rooms and our kitchens and our bedrooms. And it keeps us from what God wants. It keeps us from God's best. And my hope is, my prayer is, as we begin to look at dedicating some families today. And over the weekend, we're gonna have about, I think around 50 or 60 families stand on our stage for dedication. It's gonna be incredible. And my hope is, is that as we watch this, there will be something stirred in all of us to rededicate ourselves, whether you are a parent or grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, and a, a, a single person with no kids at all, or maybe you're thinking, this isn't for me at all. You still have a choice. Who will You serve. And if we're not careful, we'll let all the junk of this world hold us back. And you know what that is. Let me pray for our families, okay? So Father in heaven, we come before you. And just over the next few minutes, uh, uh, we're praying for these young families. We're lifting them up. But God, we're really looking at our own families and our own lives right now. God, I pray that your spirit would speak even in this very room, God, that your spirit would move among us and that we would be honest with the things that have held back our homes and God, that you would somehow penetrate our souls that somehow you would inspire us to change That somehow you would equip us to change. God, that you'd motivate us to change. God, that you would give us the power to change. God, not through our own ability, but through your strength at work inside of us. God, I pray for the homes of every single family in this place every married couple, every divorced person, every single person, every grandparent. God, I pray that your spirit right now would even begin to to, to probe deep, God, and that we would ask this question, who will we serve? Who are we going to serve? God, I just pray against the things that hold us back. It's called sin. It's terrible. There's a bunch of junk in our lives. And I pray, God, that your spirit would free us. God, that your spirit would revive our homes. God, that your, your spirit would inspire our homes to become all that they are supposed to be. I pray for our children, God. I pray for our grandchildren. God, that we'd be examples to them. That we would be seen as faithful, godly. That we would love you so that we could point our children to you, God. I pray that we would speak life into our children, that we would spring hope, speak hope into our children. God, that somehow we would lead them to a right relationship with you. Help us, God. Help our homes. And together we say, amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Listen, I, uh, I don't want you to feel like beat down because of that. I want you to feel like you need to look inward. Um, that we need to look at our souls. We need to look at how we're running our lives. And we need to make sure it lines up with what God wants for us. Only you know what's really in your house. You can hide it from a whole bunch of people, but you can't hide it from God, and you can't hide it from you, and you definitely can't hide it from your kids for long. Amen? Amen.